What's going on, guys? Welcome to today's podcast. Hopefully, this time you actually get the video along with the audio. But me and Josh here are going to discuss uh, a variety of topics, really some fantasy stuff, maybe talk a little bit of week three, but we're just going to kind of wing it, go off the cuff a little bit, and um, yeah, and just have a good little chat. So, um, waivers. I want to talk about waivers real quick because I didn't do anything with that. And as I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, I didn't really feel like there was anybody of note that I really was super excited to get. So, I mean, he bid for Rondo Moore in our league, which, you know, that's, that's your prerogative. What, 30 per, 35% of my so uh, budget. Question, let me ask you this. What does Rondo Moore have to do to return value on that, like in, in hindsight? what you know? I mean, he's just got to keep – if he keeps doing what he did – Last week, obviously. He's not going to. I'm not probably going to start him this week. But, uh, I mean, so you're not even going to start him. No, but I have him there just, you know. You see, guys, that is called being um, emotional. Well, and, just, and making an emotional my, decision. My wide receiver depth also isn't deep, and he has huge upside. Um, yeah, he does. I mean, he's so, he had 10.8. And like I said um, on the previous podcast, our Chalker Bets League is extremely competitive. Right. And the waivers are thin, and he should have never even been dropped. Um, Who dropped him? That's Eric crazy. did. That's nuts. Eric dropped him to pick up uh, Jerry Judy, who also shouldn't have been dropped. Jerry Judy was dropped. How did I miss that? Oh, yeah. McKee dropped him. So, wow. uh, obviously, Eric made the right move and picked up Jerry, but he should have dropped someone else other than Rondo Mulberry. I love it because now I have him. I paid a lot of money for him, but I think in the long run, it will pay off at the end of the year, and I will repeat as a champion. Wow, he finally won the championship last 13 year. 13 years in. He thinks you know. he's like, you know, he thinks he has a chance at repeating. He just spent 35% of his budget on Rondo Moore. He's not starting him. So Well, <laughs> I'm also the proud oh, owner of this trophy here yeah. in the background for the next year. Well, I'm so. on there twice, so okay. it well, is what I, it is. You know? After this year, <laughs> I'll be right there with you. Um. But Rondo Moore, and, and so Eric dropped Rondo Moore. That brings me, it just popped in my head, my strategy of instead of dropping a player like Rondo Moore where in a spot that you don't have to because he played, I think he was on the 12 o'clock games, wasn't he, for uh, in week two? either Maybe he was on the 3 o'clock, but either one, central time, of course, right. either one, the smarter move, in my opinion, would have been to utilize the strategy that I do, which is, drop your kicker or your defense, and then just pick up one of the kickers or defenses that plays on Sunday night, Monday night, whatever, right, or Sunday afternoon if you have to. But <clears throat> that way he could have saw what Rondell Moore did and been like, oh, maybe I'll drop someone else. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, and Well, I don't know who his right. kicker is, but obviously if you have Harrison Butker or Justin Tucker, you're not dropping your kicker. I, I mean, I might. I mean, I do have Butker in one league. Maybe even Tyler Bass. Like, I have him and – he, I'm running with him all year. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like playing the the kicker defensive carousel every year. Um, obviously, there are years that you kind of have to, mm-hmm. but I like to. I I like to just solidify those positions in the draft, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah. No, I get that. I mean, that's that's understandable. But to me, that's wh- another reason why I would prefer to not draft one of those high-level kickers is simply because I like that flexibility of being able to do that. Like, I just dropped, I just dropped Mason Crosby, who's the guy that I picked up because, obviously, he's Monday Night Football kicker. I picked him up in 
multiple leagues, and I just dropped him right now to add uh, Henry Ruggs to my team, which I told you guys last night. I thought there was a chance Henry Ruggs could be available in your league, and he sure enough was. So what does that tell you? Most likely a an impatient fantasy owner drafted Ruggs in the 10th round and cut him after week one, right? That's To me, that's just craziness, you know? Um, and yeah, so well, I got him I, no one was high on him this year because of, you know, his – but he his still went down the, rookie year last still year. Still went in the tenth round. Like you just spent a tenth a tenth round pick or eleventh round pick on him. Maybe even ninth. I can't remember exact ADP. But you know, in week one he was targeted five times, caught two for forty six yards. Like that's his thing. Is he's a high level, like a he's a chunk play getter. You know, that's just kind of that's what he's gonna when he catches passes, they're gonna go for quite a bit yards. He averaged as I mentioned yesterday, seventeen and a half yards per catch as a rookie and had almost five hundred yards receiving. So. Right. You know, that's that's not bad. Um, I think that – but anyways, I'm happy. Look, what I just did was picked up Henry Ruggs as a free agent, and you picked up Rondo Moore for 35 bucks. So I like being a week early, and I don't I shouldn't even be a week early on Ruggs considering he had five for 113. I mean, this was the last call on Rondo. Obviously, he was getting picked up. I oh, yeah. The second – Absolutely. The second bid for him was around $20 or so, and I originally had it at 30 but I kind of just bumped it up last night before – Right before I went to bed to just How make much sure. did Eric bid for him? Um, I think it was 18. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I could have gotten him at 19, but I just, you know. Yeah. You just got to take those risks. I mean, obviously, like, if you want a guy, you'll bid for him. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but I'm, yeah. I'm happy I got him. Um, if he, you know, has a game like he does, he did on last Sunday, uh, at least – you know, for the majority of the season, which he might, he might not, but his upside is just, it's there. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's, the upside is definitely there. He could be, um, just to be real, he could be this year's Justin Jefferson. I mean, that's within his range of outcomes, simply because, like Justin Jefferson, he's got D-Hop over there that's going to, that's going to draw the attention. Yeah, Yeah, at least early on. Like for, you know, a lot of Vikings fans say Jefferson was the number one receiver last year, but defenses were looking at Thielen first, at least for the first five, six, seven games. And then they were like, okay, this Jefferson kid is really good, so maybe we'll start treating him like the number one. But that's the De- – DeAndre Hopkins is going to be treated like the number one all year long. So yeah. no matter what, you know, so Rondell Moore has and that that's, going I feel him. like that's kind of what happened this past weekend. You know, they yeah. they paid a lot of more attention to D-Hop, and Rondell Moore uh, got his. So Yeah, I mean, D-Hop um, – I think, like four, I think he only had like four catches last week. But um, another guy I wanted to talk about was this dude I was, excuse me, I was pounding the table for all offseason long as a late-round guy that's going to be a huge value, and that's Marvin Jones, man. Marvin Jones right now in PPR scoring, full point per reception scoring leagues, is the 50th overall player, 50th. You mm-hmm. know, he had, and I have him on my bench, of course, but, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're going to do when you draft a guy in, double-digit rounds, you're not going to immediately start him. But I think I'm going to start him this week just because, I mean, I think he's at this point, and here's the question I'll put. I mean, he's been productive the the first two games of the season, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the 50th player, 18.7 points week one, 17.5 points yeah, week two. Yeah, I mean, two. He's, he's almost a must-start. Who they got this week? I mean, they, they have Arizona, and okay. Arizona isn't exactly the most uh, – their secondary is not – world beaters right so right. the defense is pretty good overall but 
I mean, Marvin Jones had 17.5 points against Denver last week, and that's a very good secondary. I mean, he was targeted 11 times, caught 6 for 55 and a touchdown, and in week one, he was targeted nine times. So 20 targets over the first two games. Dude was available in the 10th round. I'm so happy that I have him because this was the league, our league, Chalk Your Bets is what it's called, uh, where I went running back, running back, running back, running back. Well, I mean, even during the draft, we didn't even – I don't even think we talked pre-draft, but every year I was like, Evan's going to take a running back here. <laughs> Evan's going to take a running back here. I so mean, look, on and so forth. I, I, and I knew it. I knew for a fact it was either going to be the first three rounds, maybe the first four rounds. Obviously, you do it every year. And, of course, I was right. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, dude, I'm not going to allow myself to say, okay, now I'm going to go receiver. You know, I'm just – I'm not – I'm or, or now I'm going to go running back. I'm going to just take what I feel is the best value available. So in the fourth round, when I was looking at Miles Sanders and then the receivers available were like, I mean, it was like nothing. I can remember. It was right. it was not and great. And you can get, I feel like you can get, you know, pretty good receivers Dude, deeper, deeper in the draft. I'm stoked with my receivers. Listen, I've got T. Higgins. I've got Kenny Galladay, Debo Samuel, Henry Ruggs now, who I just picked up, Marvin Jones, and Marquez Calloway, and Gabriel Davis. So I'm plenty good on receiver, considering I've got, at running back, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, and Miles Sanders. You know, those are, that's yep. a, that's a, that's depth all over the place. And I like to accumulate depth early, and then I like to package and trade around, you know, close to midseason. I like to, now I want to add that blue chip guy to my lineup. So instead of having Miles Sanders just on my bench, I'm going to parlay that once I don't – because you don't – I like having that extra running back because running backs get hurt, mm-hmm. right? So, But once it's toward the, the end of the season, midpoint of the season, I'm going to say – I'm going to get a little bit more aggressive and say, all right, let's try and peak. Let's add that t- – let's trade away two guys for a blue-chip caliber player, you know, and that's kind of – that's my, my overall strategy. And I did that a while ago, and I lost in the championship game actually to – I think it was Jeff back in 2015. Yeah, right there. Um, I, I was able to, I had Greg Olson the whole year as my tight end and I, I worked the trade for Gronk, um, towards the end of the year. So I had Gronk and Olson in my, um, you know, just the, and that was when Gronk was Gronk, you know, the, well, at this point, Gronk is still Gronk. I mean, he might, you know, he might be Gronk again, but I also, man, I really like T Higgins. Look, I took him in the fifth round as a guy that, you know, basically, was going to be my one number one receiver at least for some some of this season, and he's uh, he's not outscoring Marvin Jones, but he is. He had fifteen point eight in week one, and he had seventeen in week two. And mm-hmm. then in week one, if you recall, he he left the game with like cramps for a while, and then they just held him out of the overtime period. So he may have even had you know more in his tank, but he's been extremely efficient. Uh, touchdown in each game. He was targeted ten times against Chicago, and that was good because. Uh, that was a game where game flow was was in his favor, right? They were kind of like they were losing. They had to pass a lot, or not a lot, but they had to pass a little bit more than maybe they would have liked. And um, he saw ten targets, you know. So I think that T Higgins is gonna. Yeah, I mean the targets. I feel like with T Higgins, they're gonna they're gonna be there all year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and he's gonna be efficient because he's big. He has rapport with Burrow from last year. Mm-hmm. He's he knows the offense. You know he's not a guy that like Jamar Chase hasn't played for you know what it would be about almost twenty months in by week one. You know and Chase is playing great. I'm just, I'm not saying he's not. Just for me, T Higgins is going to be the most steady option in that in that Bengals offense. You know, and um, 
I'm starting, and if you drafted Kenny Galladay, I know you're frustrated. Start him this week. He's got Atlanta. I'm starting him. I think I'm starting him over Debo Samuel because I think Debo's going to see a whole lot of Jair Alexander. And I'm starting him, man. I just feel like this is the week for Kenny Galladay. I just told him Debo is the number three receiver in fantasy in our league right now. Yeah, he's he's the fifteenth overall player. You know, um, in our league at least. Yeah, I mean that was he's. I mean, week one he went completely insane. Nine for one eighty (laughs) nine touchdown. Debo. Yes, I don't know. We were talking about this earlier before we got on the cast. Is um, everyone was overlooking him for Brandon Ayuk and. Yeah. And now we, you know, week one happened, and here we are. It comes out, oh, I has got to learn how to be a pro. So he's obviously not doing his homework or just, you know, acting up or whatever it is that he um, is doing. And everyone kind of drafted Ayuk over Debo, which is, at this point, a mistake. Yeah, it doesn't look good for, for Ayuk, man. It's a... Uh he, he, he and he's a, he's a great talent. He just oh, yeah. needs to get his head out of his ass. <laughs> it's almost like... Something happened with him and Shanahan. Like, I don't exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let me, I'm trying to look at his snap counts real quick and see what his snap totals. Were. I did see him make a really good catch in that game against Philly, but he only had one for six yards. It was a nice catch. Mm-hmm. But he's great talent. He just, like I said, he's he a first round pick last year. Yeah. He was, and I think, didn't they trade up to get him? I think they did. I can't recall, but. But um, he played 47% of the snaps in week one, and then he played 54% in week two. So he played more right and and he's still returning the punt so not that, that helps you in fantasy all that right. much but he you know uh definitely a concern one catch for six yards over the first two games that's that's not what you were looking for from your fifth round pick because if you drafted mm. him you spent i mean you might have gotten lucky and got him in the six but like a guy like deontay johnson was available at that spot and yeah deontay johnson is yeah i'm guilty i'm guilty rushing. of taking him in the fifth round in one of my leagues and now he's on my bench, but yeah, it I is mean, what it is. Hopefully, he, like I said, will you know grow. Yeah, I think that as the season goes on, he may be a good buy low, or even better, somebody might cut him. I bet he's been dropped in. Oh, I'm sure a bunch of leagues. I mean, there's know? a lot of um, there's a lot of fantasy players out there that don't really know what they're doing. You don't know if they're just like kind of new to the game or they're just a little ignorant, but um, or they just freak out, or they freak out, you know, um, which happens. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, if he's out on the waivers, you, you have to just get it, keep him and stash him. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. You, you, you know, I would even consider trading something minimal for him right now just to make sure you get him. Like a lot of times people say, why didn't they just wait for that guy to get cut and then sign him? Well, they gave away a next year seventh because they want to just make sure they get him. They don't want to have to compete. And that might be something if you're an IU fan that you would consider, but it's going to have to be super low. Like buy lows are only good when you when you actually get him low so he's a risky buy low even at that because even giving away a guy that is undeniably supposed to be on a roster is sketch right now for <laughs> you you know one catch six yards two targets all year long but on a positive note Deontay Johnson fifth or sixth round pick I believe and that was where he was going he has 22 targets over the first two games He's on pace for like 176 targets <laughs> in the season. 10 targets week one, 12 targets week two. You know, um, do you think he plays this week? Yeah, I believe. Or they said that if he does miss time, that it won't be much. So, yeah, maybe I mean, miss a game or two. Tomlin if, said that he's looking better, not to be confused with great. So, right. 
I mean, he'll probably be a game time call. Yeah, he'll he'll probably miss this game. They have a, a lot of depth at receiver, but what I would do, and what I might do in leagues that I don't have him is trade for him right now. If you're two and zero and you're you don't love how you look at receiver, trade for Deontay Johnson right now. Like that, the the owner, especially you know, if you're in a PPR league, absolutely, because he is going. I mean, he's going to see ten targets every game. Basically. Yeah, he's got twenty two targets of the first two games. Yeah, so yeah, ten and then twelve. So, um, he's that dude, man. I'm just like Ben Roethlisberger is is the type of quarterback where, especially right now, he's a pure pocket quarterback. Of course, he's going to throw to who's ever open, and Deontay Johnson, with all the other weapons they have there he's going to see a lot of one-on-one opportunities and he's going to get open because he's just a really good route runner. Yeah. He's quick. He's a great route route runner. Yeah. And so I love that guy. I think he's going to be a force all year long. Um, And uh, yeah, man. So I think that Deontay would be, if he does miss this week on game day offer, you know, or whenever the news comes out that he's not going to play, which I kind of expect to happen at least for one week offer, you know, something small for him if you need a receiver or, um, you know, because like I said, the thing about him is for whatever reason, people don't look at him and think they don't say, Oh, that's an elite player. Right. You know? So you may be able to have, even if uh, somebody owns him right now in your league, they may be looking at him thinking, you know, he's not like, they may be not that confident in him. And I think if that's the case scoop, because I don't see this stopping. I think, you know, he's going to have at least eight targets. And I would almost bet he has at least eight targets in every single game, <laughs> like every game that he plays. So, anyways, Deontay's returning value. Another guy that I really liked was Darno Mooney. Week one, seven targets, had five catches, only 26 yards, but, you know, it is what it is. He also played 100% of the snaps in that game. And then in week two, he was targeted eight times, caught six for 66. Ooh. Um, but that one, you know, it's 11 yards to catch. That was good. He also returned a kick, and then in that game played 89% of the snaps. So this is a guy that was available in the double-digit rounds and is immediately, you know, looking like a, a value. He's not necessarily crushing it, but the targets are there. The intent that we saw last year is showing up again this year, unlike with Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I went four running backs, I, or I wasn't afraid to go four running backs because there's – so many receivers, you know, you, yeah. you know, I mean, Darnell sur- Mooney. A surprising receiver for me this year is Mike Williams. I mean. I didn't see this coming. He, yeah, he he's obviously got the size to dominate the force, but like. Um, yeah, he's a top 10 pick. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. I mean, so far through two games, at least. Um, he's, you know, obviously another year with Herbert. Um, so. He's got a great rapport, and I think a lot of their defenses are playing, paying a lot more attention to Keenan Allen, so mm-hmm. it kind of opens up, you know, the field for um, Mike Williams. Absolutely. I mean, 22 targets for him, 12 in week one, 10 in week two, mm-hmm. eight for 82 and a touchdown in week one, seven for 91 and a touchdown in uh, week two. So he's been, you know, playing 75% of the snaps basically in both games. So, yeah, man, I mean, honestly, the only thing I would say about him is – Sort of like what's going on right now with Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. I think that eventually we're going to see defenses. Well, I guess they've been feeding Keenan Allen a bunch too. Yeah. I mean, maybe, they, I mean, maybe this will be consistent. He's got 21 targets. so Yeah, so he's been getting plenty of work as well. Herbert's been 
tossing the rock. Yeah. To say the least. Dude, Herbert's so good, man. I got him in the seventh round of two drafts. I, I didn't want to take a quarterback that early, but it was like yeah. Herbert was available in the seventh round. It was like late seventh, if I remember correctly. I'm like, I have to take him. Yeah, I mean, he he's obviously got the height. He's got that, you know, he's got prototypical NFL size, size. intelligence, uh, athleticism. Big elite, arm. Elite arm talent. You know, he's extremely accurate. His accuracy already in this year is much improved over what it was even last year. And mm-hmm. he, was, he was very accurate last year. You know, and, he just, and he's one of those guys that's just, you know, passionate about the game. He like he wants to learn more. He he studies like he's supposed to. And it reminds me of Eli Manning in the way he leads. You know, it's it's not a – it's not like a uh, – what do you call it? A outspoken leader, right? He's not super – in your face, but he's just right. quietly competitive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's where I even made yeah, that. Eli was the epitome of that. Yes. So. Ex- absolutely. Um, 31 completions in each of his first two games this year. So, I mean, obviously throwing 47 and 41 passes, but he's completing, um, what is that? 70, per- yeah, 70.5% of his passes, averaging over 337 yards a game. So he's doing his thing, 7.7 yards per attempt. And here's the thing with Herbert, too, is he only he's only run the ball eight times for 11 yards. I think we're going to see a lot more running. You know, I mean, I think that he, if they can't get anything going on the ground, I think they need to run him a little bit more, similar to what I said about Trevor Lawrence. Like, yeah. if you're not going to run the running backs, run your quarterback. He's a rare talent in that regard, you know, and um, – I He's agree. a big enough dude to be able to sustain some of those carries as well. So I think getting him getting him rolling like that um, is just another way you can hurt defenses. You know, let's see what are we where are we at in our league? Oh, I'm playing the first place guy, Eric, this week. He's two and zero. He's got um, a great team. He's always he's really good. He's always good. He always does unorthodox stuff. Like let me tell you guys, his team. Uh, Kyler Murray, which you know I wouldn't have drafted him, but obviously he's the number one player in fantasy right now, so so far so good. Uh, Terry McLaurin is his receiver, number one receiver. Brandon Cooks, number two. Surprise. Chase Edmonds, Joe Mixon are his running backs. Travis Kelsey, and then he's got Tyson Williams of Baltimore. On his bench, he has Amari Cooper. Wow, he's benching Amari Cooper, okay. Wow. Um, that, he, he does bold that's stuff. A bold statement. Yeah. See, he might be the guy... That because of the receivers he has, he has Michael Thomas on his bench and Jerry Judy. I might offer him something for Michael Thomas. I mean, if I beat him this week, the first thing I'm going to do because I need to be, I need to win. You know, do I one and one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I need. To I mean, win. it's still early, obviously, but you always want to win, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and but like more Don't get there to lose. You know, <laughs> yeah. More importantly, we play to win the game. <laughs> we play. More importantly, though, I want to be peaking at the right time. You know what I mean? I want to – so Michael Thomas being, you know, out for, what, five, six, seven games, to me is okay. Like, if I start two and one, I'm willing to, to take that kind of a, a risk, you know, even if it's – because I feel good about my team. I just feel like eventually – if I can add Michael Thomas for cheap and then eventually do my two for one, I'm telling my opponent my strategy right now, which is, you know, it is what it is. I always do this. I'm going to win regardless, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> But if I can add Michael Thomas soon and then two for one and in, in get like a Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara over the second half of the season, now I feel like I'm, I'm championship caliber. Like you don't always start the season as a championship caliber team. You know, you have to – it's a constant building process. Well, I feel like last year my team was the championship team from start to finish. Have again? What was your team? Uh, well – 
let's just start with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Mm. Dalvin Cook. Mm. I mean, I got, I think I got Josh Allen in the fifth round, maybe? No, he was like sixth or seventh. He was sixth like, okay, yeah, so was like Stephon Diggs, round. I got in the fifth. Yeah. And then I stacked him with Josh Allen in like the, like you said, seventh, seventh, seventh or eighth. It was like seventh or eighth. Yeah, it was late. Um, But I mean, obviously, you. You saw what they did last year. Stephon Diggs yeah. led the the league in receiving last year. Yep. And I was never like I was. It was it was a strong season from start to finish. And finally, after thirteen years, I you know got that monkey off my back. Started <laughs> this league in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and uh, we're old. <laughs> got shit every year. From everybody in the league, because it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's your league, and you've never won it, <laughs> you know? And yep. talk all the shit about being about great at fantasy. And I've I've had some bad beats. I've been in the championship three times. Oof. Um, I've been there at least three times as well. Yeah. Won two. But Lost I, two and won the one last year, obviously. But, hey, man, it's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, I got the trophy now, so I can't complain. Yeah, we're supposed to send this to the winner, and they're able to hold it for a year. I didn't get to hold mine, and I've won it twice. Well, we didn't have it for the first one. But, um, you know, I'm trying to campaign to be able to hold it for half of this year at least. because I feel Well, after like 13 years <laughs> and me <laughs> never winning like, it, I'm, I'm like, I'm go. not letting it go of it until I uh, yeah. have to. And if you win it this year, then, yeah, you're more than welcome oh, to I'll hang on to it. I'll come here and jack it if I have to. Okay. Well. When I win the championship. I'm going to win... I'm going to win multiple championships this year. I mean, I think I'm in four leagues. So, um, definitely going to win some championships. Are you in, in any public leagues? No. no I've never leagues. done a public league. <laughs> They're fun. I mean, obviously, when, when the when the drafts come around, like, I, I'm just addicted to it. So, like, mm-hmm. if I've got a draft coming up where I just finished a draft, I'm like, fuck, I want to get back into one. So, I'll just hop into a public league just immediately, you know. Uh, me and Jeff are actually – this is maybe our third – Third or fourth year in a row that we've joined a public league together, a paid public league. You know, <laughs> I think the buy-in's like thirty or forty bucks or whatever. Um, but it's cool because then you know you get a you get a little bit of uh, competition from just random ass people. You have no idea who you're playing against. And, yeah, uh, that's obviously cool. there's the free public leagues too, and you know, I, I think if you're an experienced fantasy player, like you have the leg up in those public leagues. That's right. kind of why I join them to just kind of boost my, um, my, my fantasy, my Yahoo fantasy profile. Cause obviously one day I want to be in the Yahoo fantasy hall of fame. <laughs> that's what I strive for. He said, obviously, um, <laughs> that's everybody's goal. I mean, if you're a fantasy player, like, yeah, you, well, why not? You know, like yeah. Yahoo is the, Yahoo is the, at the f- was at the forefront of the whole internet. Yeah. I um, mean, I fantasy. like it. I also really like Sleeper. Um, I'm more comfortable still with Yahoo because, like, I've been... Yeah, I've been, on, I've been on Yahoo since 2001. I mean, my first yeah. uh, my oh, first wow. team had Rich Gannon, one. you know, Jesus. his MVP season. Well, that's cool. Um, So that was... You can still look at all that, can't you? Yeah, well, it was under it was all under my old um, oh. under my old email address, but um, there was that hiatus, four year hiatus from you know freshman year to high school or senior year of high school. Mm. Obviously, I didn't play because we were we were you know 
having fun in high school. Right. <laughs> um, not that we don't have fun now, but yeah. Right. I, I know but hey, I want to talk about Kenneth Gainwell real quick because the Miles Sanders thing, you asked me yesterday, I think it was, are you worried about Miles Sanders? And I looked at you like you were crazy because I was like, he's been doing great. But, and I say that because, check this out, Gainwell, right? We're, we're looking at him. He's played well the first, first two games. You know, he has 11 touches in week one, and week one he played pretty well, got in the end zone. Last week, which granted it was against a much tougher defense in San Francisco, week one was against Atlanta. Gainwell carried the ball six times for 14 yards, so he averaged 2.3 a carry, caught two passes for 18 yards. I think that his pass protection, apparently he's good in pass pro, so I think that will keep him on the field, but he's 35% of the snaps and 33% of the snaps. So you're telling me Miles Sanders is going to, in my opinion, be a 65% player, right? Like, that's not the norm for running backs. Like, that's a... I would say top 12 in terms of like usage, you know, so I'm not worried about Miles Sanders at all. As a matter of fact, I think that the reason why I say at least 65% moving forward is because the rookie, I just, for some reason, I have this feeling that we're going to just, Sanders is going to distance himself as the better player as the year progresses. And I think that's going to lead to him just being more utilized, right? But overall, you look at, let me just go to Sanders real quick. Sanders this year, has, let's see, 17.3 points in week one, right, where he touched the ball 19 times. Mm -hmm. And um, in week two, against a good San Francisco defense, carried 13 times for 55 yards, and then he also caught a pass. So 14 touches, you know, and that's in a game where... did he have in week two? He had only 6.9. That's the thing is he didn't get in the end zone, and he only caught one pass, right? Right. But he's still catching passes, um, and what I mean is just generally, right? He, I mean, five targets week one, four receptions, any other two-point conversion. And um, I just think that he's a lot better player. I think Miles Sanders is a, just talent-wise, a really underrated running back, probably like a top, I don't know, man, 10 to 12 talented running back in the NFL. And I may be shortchanging him. Like, he's really... Did um, he's talented? Did fun. Bone draft Gainwell or did he pick him up? I think he just picked him up. Okay, he might have drafted him though. I doubt it. Yeah, Bone does like the opposite of what I say to do because he wants to beat me and and uh, you know so he I'm pretty sure he still follows me on social media. But he's like, okay, oh, he just picked him up. He picked him up this week, last night, three three bucks on the waivers. Yeah, I mean he's never. I think he's got the same kind of role that Kenyon Drake has in that. Even if something, God forbid, were to happen to Miles Sanders, Gainwell's role is going to stay the same, in my opinion. Maybe a slight increase, you know, but I think that's where they want him. That 35% of the snaps. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of where I see it. People were legitimately and probably are still legitimately saying that they think he's going to, like, be the lead guy there. He's he's better than Miles Sanders. That's crazy talk to me. Like, that is just getting so... Carried away with the shiny new toy, in mm-hmm. my opinion, you know. Well, I think um, with the Eagles and and Jalen Hurts, like if they progressively get better throughout the year, I mean, you never know. Like Jalen Hurts <coughs> could potentially get better, and they could be a pretty oh, yeah. pretty damn good team at the end of it. They could win ten games. Yeah, I really believe that. You know, what did Hurts do as a runner in this game against the... Okay, so against San Francisco, he still ran 10 times for 82 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, that's damn good. 
he has 140, what is that, 82 plus, I'm going to embarrass myself with my math skills here, 82 plus, so 144 rushing yards over the first two weeks on 17 attempts. You know, that's that's pretty damn good. And the fact that he was able to do that against San Francisco is encouraging. Obviously, didn't have a great game passing the ball, but that's a tough 49ers defense. You know, I, I know um, I told you guys last night, I don't think that the, the final quarter plus against the Lions was something that we need to worry about. I think that was just, you know, that they kind of were in complete control and maybe took their foot off the gas for a second there. I don't think that's an issue. That defense, to me, is still very good. Mm-hmm. You know, could be a great unit by, by season's end. You know, we could be looking at them saying, hey, they're a top 10 defense. It would not surprise me at all. So um, I can't wait to watch Matthew Stafford against the Buccaneers and Tom Brady against that Rams Yeah, what defense. are what all our great matchups this week? I mean, mm-hmm. we've got Colts-Titans. Huge game for Tennessee. Colts-Titans. For both. Chargers, yeah. Chiefs. Hey, the Giants, in my opinion, this is an absolute must-win game. If they go out there and beat down the Atlanta Falcons in New York, their season trajectory, everything changes because Washington goes to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Philly and Dallas play each other, so one of them is going to lose. Is that is that tomorrow night? That's Monday night. Monday night. My Panthers play the first-place Texans on tomorrow That's right. Night. That's right. <laughs> um. I knew it was a. I knew it was either a night game. Apparently, the Texans' offensive line is playing well. That's what I just was saying. Somebody said that they said uh, they didn't allow a sack last week against the you know Miles Garrett and it's incredible Clowney. Yeah. So and then especially I mean, considering Davis Mills with came uh, in. Deshaun Watson being out, everyone kind of wrote off the Texans this year as being garbage. Yep. Dude, I'm so disappointed with DeAndre Swift's performance. I I, I just. The usage was weird, too. Like, other than that late catch he had, mm-hmm. it was like he was barely targeted. You know, he finished with five targets. So, if you're just looking at the stat sheet, you're thinking. What did he do in week one? He was targeted. I mean, obviously, he went. He was the top seven he went running off. back. Or top five running back. Thing. He had 11 carries for 39 yards in week one, but he had 11 targets. Yeah. Caught eight for 65 and a touchdown. So, they slashed him in half. And he played 65% of the, roughly 65% of the snaps to Jamal Williams, 35, you know. Right. Well, I think that also just came down to the the flow of the game. Yeah. Let's see what the snap share was. I'm going to look up Swift's snap percentage against the Packers on Monday night. What was it? 63%. So he was 68% in week one, 63% in week two. And I think that, you know, um, to me, he should lead them in receiving or be second to TJ Hawkinson, in my opinion. Like, he should be utilized like that, right? He should be... Alvin Kamara for this team, right? This coach comes from New Orleans, mm-hmm. and Swift and Jamal Williams could be the Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. I mean, that's really, I think, should be the goal, right? Because they definitely like Jamal Williams, right? They, you know, he's a guy that is going to get touches, and um, and I have no problem with that. I actually began the fantasy season saying that he was a ginormous value, and then I kind of came around more on DeAndre Swift, and I said, well, Swift's the guy, but. I still think both of those things are actually true. You know, it turns out, or at least so far, with what we see. I mean, he yeah, had, it was funny with Swift. I was scared of Swift coming in this uh, this year, and uh, in Augie's league, he uh, we it was actually we were, it was a running joke in the draft because everyone kept passing him, and I was like, everyone just doing DeAndre Swift like that, and we were just <laughs> laughing about it because he fell deep. I'm, I'm, let me look crazy. it up real quick. Um, Augie, I was over at Augie's and we were drafting, and, and Augie ended up getting him because at that point he was best player available because he fell so far 
What round did he fall to? Um, I got him in a lot of leagues because he was just there in the third round, like comfortably he was there, you know? So to me, that's value. That's value town. You was, I would have taken him in the second round. I mean, honestly. like He late. fell 68th overall in the sixth round. <clears throat> and you took him? No, Augie did. Oh, wow. So after week one, Augie was probably like, holy shit. Did Augie bench him in week one? No, but uh, he obviously went off and Augie got the dub. But it was just funny because we were making a joke out of it. Like, uh, bro, it's DeAndre Swift. Right. Like, <laughs> and he was like, fuck it. I'm just, you know, best He's player available swift. at this point. Um, I am also thinking that this week, especially I'm hoping so for myself, could be the coming out party, so to speak, for Jonathan Taylor this year. Um, I For you, you better hope so. Oh, I, I'm not worried about Taylor at all. Not, let me tell you why. Let me look up his snap counts real quick. But he's had two very, very tough matchups to start the season off, right? Like the, the week one against the Seahawks defense, which is a very, very, very good run defense. Mm-hmm. And then week two against the Rams, which we know is another good team, right? So he's carried the ball 17 times in week one, 15 times in week two. Um, he was targeted seven times in week one, caught six for 60 yards, only targeted once in week two. But his snap percentage, and I'm not crazy about this, was 55% in week one, 45% in week two. So that's going to increase at least some, in my opinion. I think that was a lot to do with, well, game flow in really, you could say both games, but at least definitely against the Rams, you know, they were losing that game. But they were basically not playing from a wide margin behind, but they were playing from behind. Mm -hmm. But he plays the Tennessee Titans this week, you know, in a must-win game for the Colts. And plus, Carson Wentz is out, right? Wentz is not playing, is he? No. Yeah. I don't think so. So I think they were talking about like maybe he sprained both of his ankles and stuff. Definitely has two sprained ankles. Yeah. So I think that this is actually could be a blessing in disguise because we're going to see. Oh, wait. He has a chance to play Sunday. Has not been ruled out yet. Either way, I think that the Titans defense is very beatable in, you know, against or with Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor, let me look up what he did last year. He absolutely abuses his division, right? Like last year down the stretch, you know, and everybody was like, I I was talking a lot about what he did down the stretch of last season. And a lot of people were like, but he played, he did that against the Texans and, and, um, you know, uh, Jaguars and, you know, Titans. It's like, yeah. And he gets to do that twice a year to all those teams again. You know what I mean? That's, that's the best part about it. Right. Right. So let's see, what did he do? He didn't play in one of the Titans games last year, but then the other one, let's see. oh, no, he didn't do anything. He was <laughs> he only got seven carries in the Titans game. What, what happened? Why did he only get seven carries? He only played 24% of the snaps. So that was when he was still kind of like not really, I guess, maybe not trusted by the coaching staff or whatever. But this year, even though, you know, it's been not a great start, he clearly has the trust of the coaching staff. He clearly is the guy in uh, in that backfield. Like, Naeem Hines is going gonna, is gonna to play it too, yeah, but he's going to be the scat back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people don't understand. There, there are almost no scenarios where it's not a running back by committee, you know, in the NFL today, and at least to some extent. So, that, so you want guys, if you can get a guy that's playing 60 to 65% of the snaps, then you got, you know, a guy with an ample workload, assuming they actually give him the ball, right? I mean, Nick Chubb's playing... 50% or less 
and or 50% or fewer, I think is the right way to say that, but he's able to sustain RB1 production. You know, McCaffrey... Well, he's a, he's an animal. McCaffrey played 89% in week one, 71% of the snaps in week two. So that's a very high workload. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously the bell cow. Yeah, I mean, dude, the guy has 14 receptions already, right? So that is... Um, I mean, he's averaging 11 yards a catch on those catches, too. So it's not like everything's a quick, you know, two, three-yard catch or whatever. He's, right. you know, he's only averaging 3.8 yards a carry, but I think that that will change. He's catching – he's caught – Right, but what keeps him as the number one fantasy player is his, is his receptions. Yeah, he's just got so many ways to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he can, he can score – you can give him the ball 30 times as just a runner. You can give him 15 and 15, whatever, you know, it, but he's going to get his. Yeah, he doesn't even have a 100-yard rushing game yet, Mm-mm. which is nope, crazy. But, but also, I mean, he's got those receptions to make up for it. Dude, I was telling you right before we started this podcast, the Saints, right? We all know they haven't been they're, – they're missing Michael Thomas, so mm-hmm. we'll be, you know, fair. Andrew Brees. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, James had five touchdowns in week one. Their leading receiver is Alvin Kamara. He has seven catches in two games. That's their leading receiver by three catches. That's their insane. Their second leading receiver has four catches, and that's the backup tight end. Uh, Jawan Johnson? Yeah, Jawan Johnson. Yeah. Um, and then their third leading receivers are Adam Troutman with three catches for 18 yards and Marquez Callaway, three catches for 22 yards. By the way... We were talking about this, too. Do you think Callaway's droppable? I have him. I mean, I'm not dropping him yet, but damn it, I'm not very, yeah. You know, I encouraged. Mean, if if you seeing. need if you need someone out there, like if, if you're really thin at receiver or running back and you need someone to drop, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. not like a surefire like, no drop. If I had to drop, you know, I just picked up Henry Ruggs. I dropped Mason Crosby, but he's the guy I'm going to drop if – I, you know, like, it, when I see what happens this week, it, most likely I know if I have to drop him early before the games or if I have to drop someone, it's going to be him. I mean, I have Trey Lance. I have Gabriel Davis, which I could also drop just, just because he went catchless, you know, uh, but he was also hurt. Let me see. What what was his snap percentage, I wonder, because the catchless thing is definitely concerning me. Um, but Gabriel Davis also had a pretty good week one, so it's not like – you know, I mean, he had two for 40 in the touchdown week one. What did he, <clears throat> excuse me, he played, or he was targeted five times in week one, played 51% of the snaps. That's not ideal. And then only 32%, but again, he was injured. And he probably got injured in week one, so maybe that's why the snap percentage went down. But he's definitely, at this point, he's droppable, in my opinion. As much as I love Gabriel Davis coming before the draft, I think that, you know, you can adapt, right? And I think the reason he's droppable is because you can go back and pick him up. Again, I, right. I think he can have a 100-yard game and a touchdown, and he's not going to be the highest waiver guy. You, you know, know what just, I just I just realized? Hmm. Byron has his dad as a co-manager on his Chalk Your Bets. Wow. Yeah. First time ever? Ever. Hmm. And that's kind of shocking. I mean, obviously, Byron's dad knows a lot about football, but... Byron likes that. He had me co-managing, like, one of his... I think maybe it was one or two of his teams last year, and I was like, bro, I'm too busy. I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have no. Well, you know Byron. He's like, well, I'm too busy. So Well, he was like, dude, we got waivers. Like, handle it. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> I'm not doing that right now. I'm too busy. Yeah. But, uh, got, it, it was hard. 
That's too funny. Yeah, I just noticed that um, his dad made some waiver moves, and I was like, what? That's What's so going cool. on here? That's a cool thing. I wish uh, – that's cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man. And also, what, uh, in context with Gabriel Davis, they, they beat the Dolphins 35-0, to zero, so it's not like he had to play. You know, if, right. they, if they needed to, you know – I like Gabriel behind. Davis. He's going to have I his – I really like him, man. I yeah. think he's going to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. Really. Like, if you're in Dynasty – and you can buy low on Gabriel Davis right now, I would totally do that because I think the chances of him having a very good, being a legit wide receiver too for the far majority of his future years is, to me, a very likely outcome. You know, I think, I, I'm not, I don't have any experience with Dynasty yet or very little. Right. But I, I have say, zero. You really, Never played in a Dynasty Yeah, it's just, it's just like every time I've started one, I've, the league is kind of. I don't even apart. think I've even played in a keeper league, to be honest. Um, yeah. I just kind of like the whole start over every year. And Me too. I mean. Me too. It's more of a, I don't know. Maybe we're just used to that. Yeah. You know I, I mean, mean uh, like I said, I've been doing this since this kind of, you know, snake draft. Yeah. Uh, since 2002 and never in a keeper at Dynasty. But, I mean, obviously, it's it's fun regardless. If you like Dynasty, you know, more power to you. If you just like to redraft every year, I mean. Yeah. Kudos. Um, so I'm looking at Chase Claypool right now because I was wondering what he's been up to this year because I haven't heard a ton about him. Mm-hmm. He was well, he's been overshadowed by Johnson. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, mean, he's been targeted 14 times in the first two games, which Deontay was at 22 and times. Na- and they got Najee this year, so it's like there's yeah. a and they have Juju and Juju's been, to my knowledge, been playing pretty well. Right? Yeah. Well, he just had his first rushing touchdown of his career. <laughs> That's which cool. pissed me off because Claypool had a 25 yard run in Week One. I don't. Remember that? Probably a sweep. Probably a fake punt or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, they gave they gave Juju the ball on a jet sweep on the third <laughs> three yard line, and they that's cool. Vultured a touchdown from Najee from me. But oh, you were pissed, huh? Yeah, of course I was <laughs> pissed. I that's mean, so funny. Um, I don't have much respect for Juju, anyways. Just the way he <laughs> you don't like the TikToker. No, he's 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 a child. In my yeah. opinion. Guys, we're old also. So I know some of you are, right. are young, like uh, quite a bit younger than me. I'm 34. I'm older than him. Right. Are you 33? 33. Yeah, I'll be 34 in a couple months, actually. So. Yeah. Um, oh, December 2nd, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Juju has been targeted eight times in week one, seven times in week two. He caught six of seven targets in week two, but it was for, you know, just averaging 6.8 yards per reception. And um, let's see, what's his snap percentage looking like? Okay, so Juju is right now ahead of Claypool from the standpoint of snaps, right? And I believe targets as well, isn't that right? He's got one more target. But he's been playing 91, 96% of the snaps in weeks one and two, where Claypool has been in the 67 and 77% range. So that shows you just by, I like the word intent. I like to use that word a lot in terms of like the organization, what their plans are. They view Deontay Johnson, in my opinion, as the number one, mm-hmm. right? Just by the evidence we've seen so far. Juju is the number two, and then Chase Claypool as the number three. The difficult part about that is Claypool went in like sixth or seventh round, I think, right? Like that he was going that early in drafts. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to say, you know, and that was the my dilemma with Jamar Chase. Like, if he's gonna be the third option on his own team, can I spend a seventh round pick on that? You know, that's terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, Claypool can return value. I mean, look, he still had 70 yards receiving 
in uh, last week. So yeah, he's one of those streak players, or he's gonna have his. He's gonna certain. Oh yeah, he's gonna uncertain Sunday. He's a best ball guy. You know what I mean? If you if you, I don't, I've never really played best ball, but I understand it. Like they just take your optimal lineup, and and that's that. So like he's that kind of. You know what I mean? If you if you can add him in a best ball where you don't have to worry so much about weekly floor. Yeah. Um, that would be where I would be all in on Chase Claypool. But it, I like – I value in just redraft leagues, I value consistency. You know, I like when I see Deontay Johnson getting 10, 12 targets every single game. You know I mean? Last year, Deontay Johnson was like top three or four in the NFL in targets. <laughs> you know, think about that. That's we wild. Dra- we let that guy fall to the fifth round, sixth round, you know, in drafts, and he was the top five target guy or whatever. So, That's pretty outstanding. Yeah. I mean, he's a hell of a player, and he's on his way up, obviously. I wonder what Najee Harris – let's look at Najee Harris' is, uh, snap counts, because I'm wondering – Well, he's the bell cow, definitely. obviously. I'm just curious to see what his – oh, my God. He's he's going to lead the NFL in snap. He's played 100% of the snaps in week one and 95% of the snaps in week two. That is the most encouraging – It is encouraging. He just needs a – he but needs to pick nobody up his does production. That. No running back does that. Like McCaffrey being 90% in week one or whatever it was, that's what he does, and that's insane. But nobody does that. Like he had a couple years ago, McCaffrey led the league in snaps, and the second-place guy was like over 50, and was Zeke, was over 50 snaps behind him. You I know, mean, uh, who's their backup? Benny Snell? I, I don't even yeah. think. I mean, Benny Snell. What did that? What did he? Benny Snow played like one snap or something because he played ninety five percent in <laughs> week two. It's crazy. They have and no trust in he Benny. He caught Snow all five of his targets with the touchdown, so mm-hmm. I, I like that. In week one, he carried the ball sixteen times, forty five yards. You know, yeah, man, it's gonna be tough for him to run. But in my opinion, when it's when you have a situation like that, you just need to be more creative with your run calls, and you need to just continue to commit and get in that rhythm with the run game because I was going to post this the other day to me the most valuable asset of a good passing game or the the you know one of the biggest contributors to a good passing game is a strong running game you know of I really course. believe that like I just think that open, imagine having a great running game opens up everything else yeah and if they want to stack that like why is Ryan Tannehill so much better in Tennessee than he was in Miami a big part of that is because of Derrick Henry and mm-hmm. what they they're committed to the run and when Ryan Tannehill does that hard play action and he keeps it right like they're also they're committed all to sorts Tannehill of populated you know they passed on <clears throat> Brady yeah that was crazy i think that was the one Brady was like you're keeping that fucking guy <laughs> yeah i mean obviously Tannehill's you know obviously played well and turned it around with this time in Tennessee but yeah, I mean, he's – look, what's Tannehill doing so far this year? Oh, wow, only one passing touchdown in the first two games. That's kind of crazy, and one rushing touchdown. So Right, but you just hand it off to – Right, but they, they had to come back from behind. They put up 33 points against the Seahawks, and um, he threw for 347 in that game, by the way. Mm-hmm. But the pass protection is an issue, and that's why it's, again, so important for them to continue to run the football because that's going to make that – you know, that – much better. Um, let's see. Yeah, he's being pressured at the highest rate since his rookie season, or since um, 2018. I don't think that's a rookie season, but he's been, he's been pressured on over 25% of his dropbacks, according to Pro Football Reference. And by the way, Pro Football Reference's um, pressures may not 
be the best all the time in terms of like, you know, determining accurate pressures because I think it was PFF was saying Jameis Winston last week was pressured on like 70% almost of his dropbacks where uh, Pro Football Reference had him only four pressures, but he was sacked four times. And I have I've seen at least three other plays where it was a clear pressure, right? Like the one that led to an interception, you know, the um, there were a few other times. So there's, you know, kind of raises some suspicion in terms of like the how accurate they are because I've been told by people before that pro football reference is pressures um, as a stat aren't the greatest. But anyways, Ryan Tannehill is um, he's really good because of Derrick Henry, in my humble opinion. But last year, 33 touchdowns, seven picks. I mean, since he went to Tennessee, the guy has 55 passing touchdowns to 13 interceptions, you know. Uh, so, obviously, something is different there, and it looks a whole lot like a running game, in my opinion. Yeah, of course. I mean, did he ever have that No, he in Miami? I don't even know who his running backs were in Miami. Yeah. You know, and it was Adam Gase, so that's not. Yeah. Uh, God, Lord. Uh, I don't even know why he was even hired in New York after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That was so weird. That was such a weird thing to do. But um, so let me think. What else here? I'm keeping Trey Lance, by the way. I know Jimmy Garoppolo. The thing about Jimmy Garoppolo is if you just look at his stats, right? Yeah, he's he's playing well, okay? Mm-hmm. It, but I think I saw a stat yesterday on Twitter where Garoppolo is – or the 49ers as a team are like bottom five in air yards. Now you guys have heard me a million times say, I don't, I'm not going to put a ton of stock into that, but why, or I don't like really care if you're playing good quarterback play and that's that you need to check it down. Well, check it down all you want. I don't care, but I will say, why did they trade up for Trey Lance? Aside from Jimmy Garoppolo, not being able to stay healthy uh, consistently. He has a lot of great upside, right? But that, but Lance has more dynamic playmaking ability, mm-hmm. where Jimmy is going to be a just you know he's not a, it's a game manager down the field kind of guy. Yeah, he's he's his upside is limited, you right. know, to to a certain extent. So mm-hmm. I think that's you know, and and also he had 189 yards passing in in last week's game against Philly, which they won. He didn't take a sack. He averaged 6.3 yards for pass attempts. But who do you so th- who do you think is better, Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Trey Lance. He was my QB1. I stand by that. I absolutely feel like that's going to age as well as the Justin Herbert one <laughs> in Baker Mayfield, Josh I Allen. mean, potentially it could. <clears throat> yeah. But Justin Fields could also just, you know. Oh, Justin Fields is a stud. He was my QB4, and people killed me, right? And, like, if you asked me, if you gave me a, I could swap my quarterback rankings, you know which one I would, I would change? Who? I would put Fields ahead of... Trevor Lawrence, I would swap him because Lawrence was my QB three. Easy. I would swap him. Easy. Uh, not that I'm abandoning my evaluation, but I'm just saying, like, if there was a, you know, if if you said you have to make one change, that would be it for right now. Um, I'm also a, a bold, little concerned. A yeah, I just, to me, do you guys remember when Trevor Lawrence was asked, like, what, what was it? If, like, if, does he love football or does he? What was it? It was one thing he said, and it was like. 
basically football's not everything to me. He said something along those lines, right? And a lot of the media, myself included, him. was like, what the hell? Because if you look at Tom Brady, you look at Michael Jordan, you look at the greats, right? Cam Newton even, when he, you know, he's an MVP, so don't, don't get it twisted about Cam. He still was, had a great career. When you want to be great, or when you're going to be great, it's got to be that much important to you. It's got to be everything to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hear that like, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of other things I like doing. You know who else said that? Josh Rosen. He said that, right? He was like, you know, oh, you know, I could be a doctor, but I'm going to just decide to play football. Like, it's got to be everything to you. Kyler right. Murray, for be example, in. passed up on going to baseball where he would have made a lot more money because football is what he wants to do, and we're seeing him reap those benefits right now. So what I was getting at, though, with Trevor Lawrence is, and the reason I'm a little worried about him is because – if it's not everything to you and you're struggling in the beginning, you need what's to push him through all that and allow him to be able to overcome. You know, he's got to, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, he's got to look deep inside himself and be like, do right. I want to be great at this? And I'm not sure he, like, I think he wants to, but I think if he's not, if he's not he passionate said, about it, then that, okay. that, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be all in, you have to, you have to have that that fire, that passion inside of you to want to get better every, every day. I mean, yeah. if he's not if he's not looking at the playbook, learning the playbook every day when he gets home from work, when he before he goes into work, if he's not staying up late, he should be the first one in the building, last one out, kind of thing. Like, absolutely, all in. And I don't obviously, I don't know if he's doing that or not. And if he and is, then you know, it seems like that passion is there, but. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Dude, check this out. So I tweeted this, or I retweeted this last night. Um, Sam Monson from PFF uh, tweeted, 36% of Trevor Lawrence's past attempts so far have been uncatchable. That's the highest rate in the NFL. When I came out and said that he was not a polished passer, people thought I hated him. I actually have a ton of respect for him as a human being. I think he's a really, really, really good kid and a great influence on young kids just as a person, but you don't go through the first two weeks with a 36%. That's like four of every 10 are uncatchable. You know what I mean? Like it, that means you're way off, right? And he's completing 50% of his passes. So that's worrisome. He averaged three and a half yards per pass attempt last week. Yeah, that's not good. You know, they went right down the field on those, on that first drive and scored a touchdown. And from then on, he just couldn't, do anything right and it was like well he looks better than Zach Wilson so I don't think so man Zach Wilson against the Panthers um because I watched that whole game every snap he started off rough but he had two pass plays deep down the field with that um, that were close to connecting on right so his stat line those go down as an incomplete pass right but he finished the the game strong final three possessions two of them went for scores uh, yeah two of those possessions Excuse me, he scored on, and he was doing some good things. Now, he looked absolutely abysmal against the Patriots, but that Patriots defense is really good. Let's not forget, they also made Tua look not so great the week before, and that's I'm not saying Tua was a world beater, but they only allowed 17 points that week. So it's like they're not going to allow a bunch of points. They're, they're really going to be – I think they're going to be – I think – they're probably going to finish the year as a top three defense. We're going to look at them and say top three at minimum, right? I mean, it could be the best defense in football. So 
for those, and also, I need to say this for Trevor, to be fair, he played against the Denver Broncos defense that's probably a top seven, mm-hmm. you know, at, at almost at worst, in my opinion. But I think top seven is kind of how I view Denver. So, well, they got a, he's got a tough matchup this week against Arizona. Yeah. I mean, that pass oh, their, is it their first home game, or if, have they been home yet? No, they were home. Yeah, they were home against Denver. Okay. So they, they just – but, yeah, he, now it's the second home game. So maybe the first home game was, like, you know, a lot of pressure or whatever. Now it's his – now let's just hope that – because I like the kid. I want him to succeed. Let's hope that his feet are wet now and he's ready to, to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'd be lying if I told you that I wasn't it's just, concerned. It's a bit of a learning curve, I know, especially with, a new, with a new coach. Especially coming from Clemson, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, uh, dude, at this point – now, imagine this. This is how crazy NFL the game is because there's only one game a week and all that. Imagine if two years ago, if I said Justin Herbert is a much better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence and he'll have a better career, people would have laughed me out of the stadium, right? It would have been like no one would have agreed with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even saying that that's necessarily true. I, I do believe that, but I'm not like, I'm not going to do this while Trevor's, you know, in the position he's in where he's not playing well after two games, I'm not going to cast hard judgment on him at this point. But if I asked you, if I took a poll right now and said, who's going to have a better NFL career, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert, it would be completely flip-flopped. You know what I mean? Everyone, for the most part, because of how recency biased we are, everyone would be like, or I'd say at least 65% would say Herbert. Yeah. You know, because Herbert's just showing us a lot, man. In Herbert's first game where he was thrown into the starting lineup minutes before kickoff, he went for over 300 and almost beat the Chiefs. Yeah, well, he's he's improved on basically every game he's played so far. Yep. So, I mean, yeah. and the sky's the limit for Herbert. Yeah, man. He's he's a bad man. But, you know, with, with Lawrence, and here's the thing. Yes, Denver's defense is awesome, and they made him look very bad. But the week before, he threw three picks against the Texans and completed about 55% of his passes. You know, he did, in that game, throw for 332 but and three touchdowns, but it was at 6.5 yards per pass attempt. So it yep. wasn't like he was, you know, uh, he made a couple of really nice throws. That touchdown to Chris Manhurts, former Panther, was a nice play. But, you know, he hasn't been very good so far. And I think um, that's just the reality of it. Let me look at... What Pro Football Reference has is his bad throw percentage. Okay, they got him at 33%, 32.9%. So um, that's high as well. You know, and let me see what they say about pressures. We know they're not the most reliable. Let's just take a look. 18.2% pressure rate. And who knows, maybe they it was a mistake about the Jameis Winston thing. I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, man, I think that Trevor Lawrence this week against Arizona, if he goes out there and has another clunker of a performance, I think well, we're all going to be worried. He's going to have to – they're going to have to put some points on the board because the Cardinals are going to score, mm-hmm. especially against that defense. Absolutely. And, you know, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is not going to let up whatsoever. I think it's going to be – it could potentially be a shootout, depending on how good Trevor Lawrence plays. Yeah. I think that what they need to do – and I don't, I don't say should – I think they need to do this. Run the hell out of Trevor Lawrence. Like, I know you don't want to get him yeah. hurt and all that, but you've well, they, got yeah, to. Yeah, they have to because they have no run game. I mean, or they, James they Robinson. They try to use the run yeah. game for whatever James reason. Robinson is, you know, he's not going to get it done by himself. No, I think, well, dude, he needs more carries. He's at 16 carries for 72 yards. He 
You know, he's averaging basically five right. yards a so carry. So he just needs more. Yeah. And the shitty thing is. He's got he, 16 through two games? 16 carry, yeah. And he so needs 16 each game. Every game, for yeah. sure. Because here's the thing. He played 63% of the snaps in week one. He played 73% of the snaps in week two. So he's getting the snaps. Like, he's getting the workload, the true lead dog mm-hmm. Uh, snap count, but there's not like he ran it 11 times, so that's up from five the week before against Denver, and so that's good. He was still targeted three times in the passing game, but they they like Carlos Hyde. Obviously, they're going to use him some, but as I just said, he's getting close to 70 percent average of the snap so far in the first two games. So James Robinson would probably be a nice buy low, in, in my opinion. We saw Dalvin Cook go completely insane against the Cardinals defense last week maybe this is the week James Robinson comes out and and balls out well something I want to bring up is uh Hilaire he's got this is obviously a division game he hasn't performed up to standards you mean who they're playing this week the Chargers yeah yeah. they I mean it's a good game obviously they're at home so they're well they're at an advantage regardless because of their Chiefs (laughs) but um Hilaire man he just he hasn't been that guy. No. And I, I I've drafted him in in a couple of my leagues and well, so, what do you what do you think what do you think he can potentially do this week? He's got to he's got to come out and perform. I mean, yeah. obviously coughed up the ball. They lost the game yeah, because tough. of him. That was tough. Um I obviously I read that uh, Mahomes and either Tyreek or um, Kelsey were talking him up, but hey, you know. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, he's a young player. But uh, He's getting, so on the positive note for Clyde, and this might be, at this point, after just two games, this might be my biggest L of, like, the pre-draft or the, you know, fantasy season in terms of before the draft and all that stuff. But if I'm going to get on the positive side of it, right, 72% of the snaps in week one, 65% of the snaps in week two. Mm -hmm. 14 carries in week one along with three receptions. But they were were giving Daryl Williams... The goal line. The goal line carries. That's because you remember week one last year against the Texans where Clyde had that big game, but he was stuffed at the goal line three, I think it was like two or three times in a row. I think that the coaching staff doesn't, and it might not just be only because of that, but I'm just kind of putting two and two together. I think they don't necessarily trust him in that situation. I think they much prefer him in the 20, between the 20s. Right. But I mean, if, if you want to trust him, you want to give him those opportunities to redeem himself. Well, I'll I mean, tell you what. By he, God, they better because yeah, it's just it's dishearten, disheartening as a fantasy player <laughs> to see that to see that happening. Yeah, but like I said, especially if you're gonna take take him in the first round, like you need to use him as a first rounder. Like, right, that's the weird thing, and you also need to consider the fact that they lost Sammy Watkins. Like maybe you guys should run the ball a little bit more. But again. He's touched the ball 17 times in week one, 13 times right. in week two. He's just underperforming. He's just it's pissing he's averaging me under off. three yards. He's averaging 3.25. What is it? 3.3 a carry. Yeah. 3.3 mm. three, three a carry. So he's not got 27 good. for 89 on the season. That's just not good. He's going to zero touchdowns. Zero touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. I mean, any loss is a big moment. So I hope that doesn't. Big moment. That, that was a huge moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was the moment, right? <laughs> Um, I mean, that's the one moment where you don't want to lose the ball. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is, and I hope he gets his shit together. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm worried about him through two games. I almost want to bench him, but I don't. You yeah. know, it's still kind of early. 
Yeah, I wouldn't do that because right now I he's bench him. Still, he's going to have an Aaron Jones game. Yeah, right. He's still playing seventy percent of the snaps, and he's touching the ball like what you know, fifteen times a game on average. So we can't do that just yet, unless you have a great replacement. But it's definitely concerning, man. I, I'm well. Here, let's know. look. Let's look. So in this league, I have Hilaire and Zeke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also it's a it's a two flex. So I have starting Zeke, Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, and Damian Harris. I'm trading the out of Zeke right now. Uh, I have Tony Pollard on my bench, and that's even more of a reason to I trade have, Zeke. I have Marvin Jones on my bench. Me too. Should it's I start? Annoying. Do I start him? Like, I think you have to at this point. But I'm right? starting like Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, DeAndre Swift, and Damon Harris. I would start him over Julio Jones this week. Julio's got the Colts, man. That's a tough matchup. Well, according to the Yahoo, Indy gives up the fifth most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. That's because Tyler Lockett went completely insane in week one. You know, they ran into the buzzsaw of that Seattle offense. But, I mean, maybe maybe I wouldn't. So, I don't know. Uh, nobody can cover Julio. It's just that that pass rush is... Pretty damn good in that. T- yeah, man. Think about that Colts pass rush against that Titans offensive line that's allowed nine sacks and Danahill to, not, you know, didn't even have a chance in week one against Arizona. What yeah. do you think this Colts pass rush is going to do? That's- so you want me to bench Julio for what? Marvin Jones? I think I would do that. I think I would do that this week. I mean, what's your record? Um, I'm on two. So. Yeah, I think you got to get a little <laughs> bit aggressive and, and try and make – I mean, look – Marvin Jones, here's what's the most likely course of uh, what's the most likely outcome in the Arizona Jacksonville game in terms of who wins or loses? Arizona wins, probably right. Yeah, of course. And, and do you think it's possible they blow them the fuck out? Mm, possibly. Right. So if they do that, Marvin Jones is going to be out there just you know running routes like a motherfucker, and he's going to catch probably yeah. a, a ton of passes. Like, let me see what I bet he's playing close to 100 percent of the snaps too. I mean, that's this dude is a stud guy. We constantly, myself included undervalue the shit out of Marvin Jones every year. And he every just goes year. out there. He played 90% of the snaps in week one, 88% in week two. Mm-hmm. He's been targeted 20 times so far. He's got 130, was it? So do I bench Zeke for Pollard? I think you got to trade Zeke and you got to <laughs> do it right now. Do I trade him and this? Pollard? No, you keep Pollard. You need to trade Zeke. For who? Go Zeke and Julio Jones for CMC. Offer that right now. Okay. Like that okay, right to me is is the and then you just start Pollard because I really believe Pollard is going to see at least forty percent of the snaps, you know, of, of the workload I should say, and he's more dynamic. Shannon but who Sharp, who in their right mind is going to give up C Mac right now? Just I mean, it's Julio and Zeke. You know, if he's a is he a Cowboy fan? That's I the advantage we knows? have. We're in Dallas, right? So that's where we're from. Play on those emotions. We we know that you said most Jones and Cowboy Zeke. Fans. Yeah, I would trade Julio and Zeke for CMC right now. Absolutely. And if he says he wants Tony Pollard too, say fuck you. <laughs> Cuz Tony Pollard at this point, we c- it's safe to say he's more than a handcuff. He's a flex option with a gigantic ceiling. Like if Zeke- Well, I'm playing this guy this week. He's 2 and 0, he's in first place. That's no. Uh, he might not make the trade just because I'm playing him this week, but I think you need to do it sooner than later because I don't think Look, man, I don't think Zeke is going to have a very many big games this year. So if he has a couple more clunkers and they play Philadelphia this week, which you saw what they did to that San Francisco run game, mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult for Dallas to be able to run the football against them. So that means 
Zeke is probably not going to do a whole lot this week. So the time, every week that goes by where he has a shitty week is just decreasing his value. So I'm trying to get that trade done ASAP. If I have Zeke, I am basically like aggressively pursuing anyone. You know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, shit, offer that same kind of trade for Dalvin Cook or what, you know, if you can package Zeke and whoever the hell for one of those top guys, Dalvin Cook, uh, dude, Alvin Kamara, I was just thought about something. Ugh. I just thought about something. I would trade Zeke right now for Jonathan Taylor. I would. I don't know. You might even be able to get two for Zeke. You might say it's just I just know that the Cowboys offense is gonna be prolific all season, so especially if you know Dak stays out there, but Mm-hmm. I I don't know. They're gonna Look, be putting up points. They're gonna Zeke is playing set, you know, eighty three and seventy one percent of the snaps. But here's the elephant in the room. Tony Pollard is just far more dynamic. You know what I mean? Like it's just blatantly now. Do I far think more, or far just more. he's more dynamic? No, no, far more dynamic. He is. Way I mean, like, he's obviously improved. Dude, I was watching. Since he's gone, come in the league on the way over here today. I, I randomly tuned into Undisputed little clip on YouTube, and Shannon Sharp said, "I almost think Shannon Sharp watched my podcast because I said the same exact thing the other day." Um, just kidding. But I uh, Zeke had a run with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter, where he got about 17, 18 yards. Pollard was in the exact same situation, and he got almost forty. Because once you and I said this last night too, once you get to that second level, Zeke is not going to outrun anybody. Tony Pollard is. You know, what I mean? he's just a dynamic dude right now. And Zeke, even though Zeke's still young, right? Like you know, technically speaking, right. the guy has has had a lot of carries. He just know? seemed like he just seemed like he was more explosive. In Absolutely. previous years than he is Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Dude, he's he had 2,000 really NFL touches, or almost. Yeah. Almost 2,000 NFL touches, this guy. Yeah. And. I just feel like he doesn't have that that breakaway speed. No, he's not fast right now. He's quick still. Um, and I can tell he's working out hard because he looks quicker than what he did at times last year, than what he looked last year. But what he's not is fast. He's not explosive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's He's right now. In my opinion, he's like, as a runner, he's about as good as James Robinson, who I ironically call the poor man's Zeke before mm-hmm. the draft. You know, and I think that, I just think that Zeke's snap percentage is going to stay high because he's so good in pass protection and he can catch the football, right? And I think that, and he's, you're not going to stop using him ever, right? Right. But, I think Pollard has worked his way. Let me see what's Pollard's snap percentage. I think Pollard has worked his way into he's going to get, if they run the ball 30 times, Pollard's going to get at least, I'd say, 11 or 12 of those carries. You know what I mean? And he's going to do a lot more with them is, is the whole thing that I'm looking at because Pollard, this season so far, let's see this here, 13 carries for 109 yards last week and a touchdown. So he had 8.4 yards per carry. He's also caught all seven of his targets and um, for 60 yards. So, you know, and he's returning kicks. Did he have a return touchdown? Pollard? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. no. I, was, I was looking at that wrong. Um, but, yeah, I was like, I don't remember that. But what I'm getting at is, dude, he's averaging 7.7 yards a carry. At what point are we just going to say, okay, 
maybe we need to give the guy that's averaging double what the other guy's averaging, more than double. Maybe we need to give that guy the ball more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so even if the stat counts. Yeah, I think counts, after last game, it's like you have to see more of Tony Pollard going forward. Absolutely. He's doing all this on 28% of the snaps, bro. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> that's the most efficient running back in the NFL, period. And Zeke is one of the – he's a little bit lower there in efficiency. You know, I, it's – it's uh it's unfortunate because it was like, but he's Zeke, definitely he, he's definitely a f- he's a flex option. Zeke, no, oh, pa- oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. even with just thirty percent of the snaps, he's a flex option because his efficiency in that like they're a good offensive line, mm-hmm. they have a really good quarterback, so you're not stacking the box against that team, mm-hmm. even, no matter what. And that's another reason Zeke should be, you know, more successful. Good offensive line, they can't stack the box because uh, you're not stacking the box against Dak Prescott and the trio. That is C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and even the the fourth receiver there—I can't remember his name—he's good too. So like they're they're then they got plenty to throw to at the tight end spot. You just can't stack the box against them. So I don't know. To me, as I said, I am with a very much sense of urgency trading Ezekiel Elliott as soon as possible because you don't want to sit there and be caught holding him too long because you may not be able to get anything. You know, I mean, not anything, but you may not be able to get a John. Like, right now, it seems a little risky trading him for Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. I think in week eight or nine, you're going to be like, I could have traded Zeke for Jonathan Taylor. I really believe that that's how it's going to go, man. um, So, yeah. Or, you know, like, what about if you traded him for DeAndre Swift and, you know, whatever else, like something else you need. So, those Uh, are things. I need a tight end. So there you go. Yeah, see if there's. You know, I'm actually about to pick up a tight end while we're on the podcast. Hunter Henry's just not getting it done. Yeah, that, he's been sort of disappointing so far. Johnny Smith was dropped in our league, right? Was he? What's he got here? What's he done? Nine point eight points and then six point eight points. So Who? he had Johnny Smith. He had five catches for forty two yards in week one, and then four catches for twenty eight yards in week two. So, um, I think that. John, who is going to play a little better as the season goes on. And then Mike Kosicki has been dropped. I'm immediately picking him up. Pick him up. See you later. Okay. And, yep. Sorry, Gabe Davis. You got the go. I need, I need, desperately need a tight end in, in our league. I'm running with Austin Hooper. I'm so happy. I just noticed that Mike Kosicki was a free agent. I, I still believe in Mike Kosicki. And there's another one. I'm picking up this guy, too. Who? I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> Sure him him. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. Fuck. I'm not going to pick him up. I can't. I don't have anyone to drop. Unless I drop Patriots defense. But right now, I think I want to start the Patriots defense against the Saints. You know, the, they're coming off a clunker of a performance. I they're, mean, they're at home. So yeah. the Patriots In are? Foxborough, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. I like that. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I think they're uh, – I think it's very likely that they're a top three defense in football. They've allowed 23 points in the first two games. So it's 11 and a half points per game on average, right? Yeah. They're getting they're getting sacks. They're, they were getting pressures last year, but now they're getting sacks, right? They've got six sacks over the first two games. And, you know, Mac Jones, the best part about Mac Jones is that he's not hurting them. And with this defense built the way they're built, and the offensive line that they have, the mm-hmm. run game that they're committed to, 
combined with a quarterback that won't make mistakes, you're you're in a good spot, right? I don't think Mac has a single yeah, he has zero turnovers. Zero. No fumbles, no interceptions. So, you know, that's good. He's completing seventy four percent of his passes. Uh he's he's playing fine, you know. And again, he's not and this is no disrespect if you're a huge Mac Jones fan. I don't think he's ever going to be elite. But what he is, is very good. Yeah. He's going to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. You know, from, from now until the end, of the, I think he'll get better as this season goes on. Um, because, by the way, the Jets and the Dolphins are two pretty damn good defenses. And he's completing, you know, basically 74% of his passes, um, no turnovers. So, um, he's at, you know, where is he at? Averaging... He's averaging um, 6.8 yards for pass attempt. So, you know. It's, be a little better. Yeah, it could be better. But he's, again, he's not trying to, to go for the jugular. Play. Right. He's just trying to play good. Think he'll, I think he'll football. learn to stretch the field as the season yeah. goes on. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get his feet wet and his footing here in the NFL. Yep. And, you know, Bill Belichick says oftentimes that, that they're installing through until October. Right. You know, so he doesn't. Yeah, he probably doesn't even know <clears throat> half the playbook yet. Yeah. I think that he'll have a better second half of the season than the first half of the season. And yeah. he's, you know, he's still playing well, pretty well right now. You know, like I said, he'll get his feet with. He'll see different defenses as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. He'll learn a lot more, and they'll open up the playbook for him. And you know, yep, we'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Uh, I think that playing really efficient right now, though. Yeah, especially when you see the fact that he's. He's got this good offensive line and a good running game. The more they show that running game, the more teams are going to game plan to stop that run in the future and then that hard play action, and he's going to have guys open it up. That's when you're going to get Johnny Smith up the seam. You know, you're going to start seeing some chunk plays happen. Nelson Aguilar deep. Jacoby Myers is a stud, by the way. Dude, let me look him up real quick. Jacoby Myers, this, uh, I think he's going to be Someone there. offered me a trade, uh, and I declined it this morning. It was, uh, Jacoby Myers for Sony Michelle. Is Daryl Henderson out for long? Uh, they're saying he might not play. I, I don't know if the I don't okay. know if that guy that sent me the trade uh, has Daryl Henderson or not. But um, check this out: Jacoby Myers played ninety nine percent of the snaps in week one. He played ninety percent of the snaps in week two. He's but why the decline in week two? <clears throat> I mean, it was barely a decline. It was it was like ten percent. Yeah, well, they were up. They were destroying the Jets, so it wasn't like yeah. he had to play. Right. Um, but he's been targeted 15 times, nine times in week one, six times in week two. And again, in week two, they were in complete control of the game, so it's not like they had to, you know, they didn't really have to pass the ball. Um, the plays he's making in terms of, like, you know, the the catch on the sideline he had last game, he's, do- he's doing some good things. I think he is their number one receiver uh, in terms of, like, you know, just wide receiver, right? Because Nelson Aguilar, who I know has played well, you know, has p- played pretty well as well, was only targeted three times in week two, and his snap share, 85% and then 86%, so, you know, <clears throat> slightly less. So I just think that Jacoby Myers, not going to be a guy that you're going to say he has a gigantic ceiling, mm-hmm. but he's going to be a consistently, you know, you can start him every week in your flex, you yeah. know, with pretty much – Full confidence. So. With full confidence? <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay. And so I just picked up Mike Kosicki. So, guys, if Mike Kosicki is available in your leagues, pick him up. Because I know he put up the donut in week one. I get that, right? But in week two, he was targeted six times, caught three for 41. 
I think that, and I know, you know, he has a lower floor than I initially anticipated, but I still think that he's going to be a guy that is the major consistent weapon in terms of just like in that passing attack, because, you know, he aligns perfectly with what Tua does, you know, in terms of his strengths or whatever. And I just think that ultimately he's too good to not be, you know, to not be an effective top eight fantasy tight end. I really, I still believe that. Although I guess, you know, you have to say his floor a little lower than I thought, but um, if he's available, if somebody was dumb enough to drop him after just two weeks, scoop him. Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you start Debo, Debo Samuel or DJ Moore? You have to bench one of those guys? Mm-hmm. My goodness. I mean, I've got Calvin Ridley and Robert Woods <laughs> in my other spots. Do I do I bench Robert Woods? Against the no. Bucks? It's gonna be a shootout. I was gonna I was gonna say we can we should uh, touch on that game before we before we finish up here. That's gonna be a hell of yeah, a game. I'm down. Two and versus two and I mean the Rams look good, they're at home. I think I would start DJ Bucks. Uh, to answer your question before we go into that. Okay. I, I think I would start DJ because he's playing the Texans and Debo is playing the Packers and Debo's gonna see a whole lot of Jair Alexander. Sunday night. Yeah. So I, I really think Debo Debo just has a tough matchup and I know it's crazy to to even consider. But benching. would you make it would you call it a coin flip or, or are you more I'd say sixty forty for DJ okay. Moore. Yeah, I just think that matchup is way too juicy. You know what I mean? For yeah. like look what Baker had like two incompletions last week, you know, and you, what do you think uh, the Panthers are going to be able to do in that in that against the Texans, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah, I would go with DJ Moore. But, okay. yeah, so you want to talk about the Bucks? Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm like super excited about that game. It's I'm like very the Bucks have to travel all the way across America yep. to go to SoFi Stadium in L.A. The 2-0 Rams, uh, obviously Aaron Donald. Yeah, coming after Tom Brady, it's gonna be a great game. It is, and if you remember, the Rams with Jared Goff instead of Stafford mm-hmm. beat Tampa in Tampa last year. So Brady struggled big time in that game. You know, he he, and that was great. They're gonna out. bring it. They're gonna bring everything. Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. Both teams are because this. Who knows? This game might be huge when we look at who's the number one seed. You know what I mean in, in uh, the playoffs this year. So. I definitely think it's a it's a very big game for both teams. I think it's very likely that Tom Brady <laughs> and uh, the Buccaneers come out ready to play. I mean, dude, let's be real. These are the games Brady thrives you know, on. Yeah, he he. Yeah. This and especially you guys beat me last year. Like that, that's I could just totally see him being. Oh yeah, completely ready to to yes. get that revenge. He's out, he's out for blood. Yeah. So last year against them, he went. They lost 24-27. Again, it was in Tampa. Brady completed only 54% of his passes, 216 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, 4.5 How many yards times, per How many times attempt. was he pressured in that game? Bro, 4.5 yards per pass attempt. Um, he was sacked only once. I'll have to look on the advanced game logs here. Um, I'll get to that. I'm going for it now, but let me see. That was a game. Now, granted, the Rams have lost pieces on defense. They lost their defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. you know, so they've lost some guys. Not the exact same unit, but um, you know, they only pressured him five times. 
that's not a lot at all. That no. Was, that was, but again, pro football reference, a little hit or miss with that. But, right. you know, all in all, man, I think that, like you said, it's a great matchup. I think Brady's going to come out ready to play. I think that this is going to show us at least somewhat what we what we can expect from Matthew Stafford in the big games because he's never really played in them. What has right. he got, one playoff game in his whole, you know, his whole career? Um I will say of Stafford, though, the interesting thing about that whole dynamic is, like, the big game stuff. He is a guy that comes from behind and makes clutch plays all the time. Yeah. It's just he's never been a, you know, he's never been one of the best teams in the NFL against one of the best teams, like, you know, NFC Championship. He's never done that stuff. So we'll see, you know, uh, I think a lot about him and and who he will be this year for the Rams. But if Stafford goes out there, imagine this. Stafford goes out there, has four touchdowns, zero picks, 350 yards. They win. He's an MVP candidate early season. Like we said about Kyler Murray last night, uh, Stafford is an MVP candidate after, you know what I mean? He's going to be yeah, talked good. about. This is in also that a light. potential future playoff matchup. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd actually be surprised if that's not the NFC championship game. I mean, just the, by the way it all looks right now in the NFC, mm-hmm. I don't see, like, I love my Panthers, and I, I'm rooting for us. I think we split with Tampa. I'll go ahead and say it now. We split the season series with them, but to beat them in the playoffs with our young team, it's going to be tough. And when I look at the NFC, I don't exactly see anyone other than Green Bay that's, you know, capable of really beating the Rams or the or – the, uh, Buccaneers so you know that's that's gonna be that's not gonna be easy but you know anything's possible just saying it's it's early and that's kind of how I'm I'm feeling about it but yeah man I think that's gonna be a freaking awesome yeah that's I think that's the game I'm most excited about coming into week three the Colts Titans is gonna be a good one too Mm -hmm. um Chargers Chiefs the Giants have to win Chargers Chiefs is a phenomenal game um Bears Browns is kind of a sneaky good game like the Bears got beat up on in week one, but that's the Rams. That was in L.A. You yeah. know, they got Justin Fields making his first career start at Cleveland and Baker Mayfield in that, in that Browns improved defense. You know, that, that's going to be that's gonna be interesting. The Ravens at the Lions. Oh, poor Detroit. It's going to be a rough one. Uh, although that is a letdown spot by Baltimore, or potentially for Baltimore. And the Lions do not quit. They come to play with that guy. Dan Campbell, I'll, we're going to bite kneecaps off and all that shit. Like, he's not yeah, about he's to let them. Yeah. Oh, Saints, Patriots is going to be another good one. That's going to be fun. Cardinals, Jaguars, definitely going to be interesting. I want to see if Kyler Murray can continue to just dominate in the way that he is. Washington, Buffalo, that's awesome. Ron Rivera against Sean McDermott. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Antonio Gibson against the really good Bills front and run defense so far this year. Starla Tule is a guy that – He's a nose tackle, right? So his stats aren't ever looking phenomenal. But he is single-handedly almost making this run defense a whole lot better than what they were last year because he opted out last year, so he yeah. didn't play at all. But um, And also, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned this last night, Gregory Rousseau led them in snaps among defensive linemen. So that's a huge positive for Buffalo in that improved defense there. But, yeah, that one's interesting. Jets, Broncos, let's see what Zach Wilson looks like against these Broncos. After what they did to Trevor Lawrence, Seahawks, Vikings, man, the Vikings, I feel like they've barely lost both of their first two games, and now they have Seattle. Yeah. You know, that's, that's going to well, be Well, they should have won that last game. Damn kicker yeah. does his job. Yep. But. That's what I mean, just heart, like, 
heartbreaking losses. Who's the Sunday night game? I think I just saw that a minute ago. It was like it's uh, um the Niners Packers. Oh okay yeah yeah. Oh. I don't know why it's not. This is Sunday. Oh, that's just Sunday days. The Sunday <laughs> ticket games. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. Niners Niners Packers another good game though. Yeah, Debo Sunday Samuel night. against Jair Alexander. If there was ever a game for Brandon Ayuk to to bounce back and to be you know like Sunday hey night. I'm here. Sunday night against the Packers, uh, where Debo's going to have his hands full with, with on the road, Jair under yeah. the lights. It's a big game, and absolutely. Lambeau. If they can, if the 49ers go into it's it's in Green Bay, right? Yeah, no, it's in San Francisco. Oh yeah, you're right. If you're they right. get to, oh, this is their first home game of the year. So the oh, undefeated Niners first home game of the year. If they beat Green Bay right now, that means they'll be three and zero. Green Bay will be one and two, and the the Niners will have. A two-game lead over the Packers. I mean, that who knows? Yeah, this is actually a that huge could game. be huge. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's gigantic. And if you're the Packers, you absolutely do not want to win because imagine what all the media outlets and fans will think. They'll be like, "Dude, the the Packers have lost to two out of the first three. You know, they they got beat by the Saints. They only beat the Lions, and then they got beat by the, like it'll look like, wow, man, they they've only beat the Lions and they've lost to the two other teams they play. You know, so." Yeah. It'll it'll be interesting, but ultimately, Week if three. I'm if I'm a Packer fan, I am not concerned about my team simply because Aaron Rodgers looked phenomenal. Aaron Jones looked phenomenal. What I was noticing about Aaron Jones, man, he is just it, coaches must love him because yes. he does everything right. He like does. those little plays where this, uh, you know, where it's a little play he's action. The, he's off. the epitome of a of a team player. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's got Aaron Rodgers probably on his ass to do his job, but I think Aaron Aaron Jones is just you know one yeah, of those guys I, I, that loves the game, wants to get better, and um, obviously he shows out. He's more so than not so. such a trustworthy player in yes. terms of like he's going to do what you need him to do. Mm-hmm. He's going to do it one hundred percent effort every single time. Uh, AJ Dillon, that's made me think of AJ Dillon. He's played twenty eight percent of the snaps in week one, twenty nine percent week two. He's he's still he's basically just still a handcuff. He is solely a handcuff yeah. right now. Jamal Williams had some standalone value, you know, right. um, when he was a Packer, but I think that right now, so far, AJ Dillon is yes, like you said, strictly a handcuff, and yet, and that sucks because he was an eighth round pick, right, seventh, eighth round, mm-hmm. ninth round at the latest. Um, ADP this year, so so Aaron Jones had five carries, nine yards in Week One, came back and had seventeen for sixty-seven. So that's not crazy in terms of like he's at three point nine yards a carry. Yeah, but again, he's a receiving, receiving threat. Touchdown. Yeah, six yeah. caught all six of his targets. Mm-hmm. He's caught one hundred percent of his targets. He's this a PPR year. machine. I mean, Absolutely. he was part of my my championship run last year. I mean, him and Dalvin Cook. I oh, mean, you had Aaron Jones yeah. too. Oh wow! So you got Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook. Stephon Diggs, Diggs and Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. They're pretty much That's just a championship team. Yeah. yeah. yeah but anyways. That's why you want to know. Yep. We'll um we'll wrap it up here. Um excited about week three. Obviously, it's you know, the NFL season's just getting started. Uh we're seeing, you know, different matchups that we haven't seen yet this year. Um so uh I'm excited. I'm pumped, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's week three is a good overall slate, like top to bottom. It's a, yes. There's no real games on there where I'm like, eh, you yeah. Yeah, even the Thursday night game and the Sunday night game and the Monday night game are all going to be worthy of um, great games. And also, just real quick before we wrap up, my Panthers better go out there and dominate the Houston Texans because 
here's the thing. In when Houston. You, when you are – is it in Houston? Yeah. Oh, that's right. We had the first two in Carolina. When you are a good team, right, and you're letting people – you're letting the world know that you're a good team, you need to do what good teams do to bad teams. Yeah. They need to dominate the Texans. They don't need to, like, eat out to win. I want to see – yeah, they need know. to bring the, the yeah. they need to bring the heat. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um yeah, so we'll wrap it up here. Um be sure to uh like the video and then comment, kind of kind of tell us what your favorite matchup is this week and if you have any sit or start questions for Evan, um be sure to hit him up in the DMs and uh in the comment section here. And uh yeah, we'll uh we'll see you in the next one. All right guys, peace. See you.